and Prejudice by Jane Austen, Volume 2, Chapter 14. Here we are in my own little corner, in my own little chair, being whoever I want to be, in case anyone was interested in the title. Today we are back with Pride and Prejudice, Volume 2, Chapter 14, previously on Pride and Prejudice. We have met most of our characters. I'm not going to go into every single one of them, but most recently, Elizabeth's best friend, Charlotte, married her cousin, Mr. Collins, and moved to Kent and is now next door neighbors with Mr. Darcy's aunt, Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Lizzie has gone to visit them and is staying with her friend Charlotte and her annoying cousin, Mr. Collins, and visiting Lady Catherine regularly when Darcy and his cousin, Colonel Fitzwilliam, show up. She likes the Colonel. She still hates Darcy. And a couple chapters ago, we finally got the ever-awaited proposal, where Mr. Darcy proposes to Lizzie in just about the worst way possible. They have an epic fight. And then the next chapter, he gives her a letter. And then the chapter after that, which is last chapter, chapter 13, is all about Lizzie reacting to the letter. So Lizzie has rejected his proposal and is really, really mad at him and then gets the letter and sort of comes around to understanding that he's not quite as bad as she thought he was, but she still doesn't want to marry the dude. Um, and all of last chapter is her sort of going through and re-examining her own feelings and thoughts and character and actions throughout all of these things and re-sort of figuring out what in the world has happened, considering how sort of wrong she was about this whole situation based on reading through the letter. So we have had, over the last couple chapters, we had the chapter that was the proposal. Then we had a chapter that was all pretty much just the letter. And then we had a chapter that was her just reacting to the letter. And now we are finally going to move a little bit forward with the plot, but we're still mostly talking about the letter here in chapter 14. So let's get into it. Alright, so here we are in chapter 14. It begins with the two gentlemen left Rosings the next morning. So, the gentlemen, meaning Mr. Darcy and Colonel Fitzwilliam, have finally left. And Mr. Collins waits outside to, you know, say goodbye to them and wave them off and blah, blah, blah. And then runs away to Rosings to Lady Catherine immediately after he sees them leave to condole with her about her loss. And, of course, then they all get invited to dinner right away. And Lizzie's thought when they go to dinner is to just kind of laugh at what Lady Catherine would have said if instead of coming now where she'd turned down Mr. Darcy's proposal and nobody knows about it, what would have happened if she had said yes and they were like introduce Darcy was there introducing her as his fiance and how mad Lady Catherine would be and what a spectacle she would make about it, which is very very true she's thinking what would she have said how would she have behaved were questions with which she amused herself and i do think that it would have been quite the uproar 
as we find out later in the novel when we do see Lady Catherine um, actually find out about a non-existent engagement, but she thinks it's happening. So we get to see what Lady Catherine would think. And, and Lizzie is obviously very correct that it would have been um, a big, huge blow up. So that's entertaining for her. And then, of course, we get Lady Catherine being her most Lady Catherine self, saying that she feels very, very sad, basically, that her nephews have left. And she says, I believe nobody feels the loss of friends so much as I do. Because, of course, Lady Catherine thinks that she feels more than anybody. And it says, and she goes on to say, but I am particularly attached to these young men and know them to be much attached to me. They were excessively sorry to go, but so they always are. The dear colonel rallied his spirits tolerably, till just at the last. But Darcy seemed to feel it most acutely, more, I think, than last year. His attachments to Rosings certainly increases. Gag me with a spoon. Oh my god, Lady Catherine is the worst. So she is talking about how, you know, she's said this before, but she thinks that she feels feelings more deeply than other people do which is ridiculous and you know also misreading everything but it gives us interesting information that Darcy seems to be you know down in the dumps when he leaves and Lady Catherine is taking that to mean that he is attached to her and to her daughter and to Rosings and not wanting to part from them um, and I think is also sort of alluding to the idea that Darcy might marry her daughter or will marry her, her daughter and is in love with her daughter or whatever. And that's why he's upset to be leaving, which I think we all know as readers is very much not true. Um, but I think what we're more supposed to read into this is that Darcy is upset because he's still sad and his emotions are still down because he was rejected by Elizabeth. Right. So that's still he's still upset and morose based on that. Which makes sense that he's not over her yet and he's not over the whole situation yet, which we will also learn to be true as we move forward into the novel. It says that Mr. Collins, of course, had a compliment and an allusion to throw in here, which were kindly smiled on by the mother and daughter. So his compliment is, you know, everybody loves you kind of situation. And his allusion, I'm assuming, is to the future marriage of Mr. Darcy and Mr. Berg. Um, and both the mother and daughter smile kindly on those things. Then we cut to after dinner, where Lady Catherine observed that Miss Bennet was out of spirits and immediately decides that that's because she's also sad to be leaving Lady Catherine because everyone's sad to be leaving Lady Catherine because everyone loves Lady Catherine because she's the best, according to Lady Catherine. Anyway, um, there's a little funny repartee here where Lady Catherine says that, you know, you have to stay longer. Mrs. Collins would be very glad to have you. And Elizabeth comes back with, I am much obliged to your ladyship for your kind invitation, but it is not in my power to accept it. I must be in town next Saturday. Why I think that that is a little much is I do that part where she says your kind invitation, I think is being a little sarcastic because of course Lady Catherine is inviting Lizzie to stay at Mrs. Collins's or Charlotte's house. Um, so Lady Catherine is providing an invitation to stay longer at somebody else's house, which is kind of rude, I think, in any time period. Just my thought on that. 
But Lizzie still says no. And Lady Catherine is very upset by that because that means that she'll only have been there for six weeks. And I would have expected you to stay for two months. And I told Mrs. Collins that you should have, that so before you came, and there can be no occasion for you going so soon. And Mrs. Bennet could certainly spare you for another fortnight. Which, from a modern lens, looking at this, oh, you've only been here six weeks. I thought you'd stay for two months. Is simply crazy talk that you'd go stay with somebody for two months. is ridiculous. I would never want to go stay in somebody else's house for two months. Um, that's a long, long time. I don't, I mean, let me know if you think that that's wrong. But I think that that's a very, very long time. And I wouldn't want to go, like, visit a family member or a good friend and, like, stay in their house for two months. That's craziness. Um, but I do know that in this time period, that was a much more normal thing. And we're not talking about coming and like sleeping on somebody's couch for two months. We're talking about going to a large estate with big guest rooms and servants and things. So it's a whole different experience to go stay for two freaking months. But still that when you see the time frame that they're talking about for these visits, it really puts it in perspective. Like she is going and visiting Charlotte for six weeks. That just sounds painful to me. But, again, I understand that in that time period it would have been normal and not that big of a deal and whatever. Um, and here we say, and here I have the thing where she's saying, or Lady de Burgh, Lady Catherine says that Mrs. Bennet could spare Lizzie for another fortnight. And Lizzie comes back with my father cannot. He wrote last week to hurry my return, which gives us some interesting information. So both that her father wants her to come back, which makes a lot of sense, but also that her father actually wrote her a letter, which we've been hearing this entire book that he is not a good letter writer and very rarely replies to people. Um, but when she was leaving, he almost promised to write her back. And now we find out that he did. He actually wrote to Lizzie while she's been visiting Charlotte. Um, so that's very exciting. And it shows how much Mr. Bennett has been missing Lizzie that he actually was willing to write to her. But yes, you must think that Mr. Bennett is having quite an awful time because Jane is still in London at this point. And Lizzie has now been with Charlotte for like a month or something by the time he writes this letter, if she's going to be there to, for a full six weeks. Um, so he is left at home right now for the full six weeks that Lizzie is gone with just his wife and three youngest daughters who he doesn't like any of those people. Um, so he is probably miserable. Um, but Lady Catherine shows that her non-understanding of the Bennett family by saying that, you know, your father, of course, may spare you if your mother can. Daughters are never of so much consequence to a father. Which is just rude to say that a father can't really care where his daughter is and can't, like, need her presence anywhere. I would assume that it's sort of normal-ish for the time to feel that way, but... I still find it to be gross and rude, but anyway, also very sexist, but you know, again, this time period fits in, but I do think we're supposed to see Lady Catherine as sort of dumb for having said it because Lizzie was seen to be such a good, a favorite of her father, a good friend to her father and to, for Lady Catherine to say, oh yeah, fathers don't care about their daughters or don't really, you know have anything to do with them I think we are supposed to see even from that time period that be an out of touch weird thing to say then Lady Catherine has this weird thing where she offers to drive one of them to London 
um, if they stay for another month, because then she's going to be going to London herself, which again, I think is a, a very weird offer. Like you'd think on the surface, like offering, hey, you can ride in my carriage all the way to London seems kind of nice. So they don't have to take post. So they don't have to take like the public carriage. But she's specifically only offering one seat. So like that makes it even worse, right? Because the if Mariah and Lizzie are traveling together, which I know we forget about Mariah most of the time because she's not very um, important or brought out, but Mariah's there. That's Charlotte's little sister. So Mariah Lucas is there traveling with Lizzie. So if Lizzie takes the seat in the barouche box with Lady Catherine and goes to London with her, what happens to Mariah? Mariah's just stranded by herself because it would be even worse for Mariah to try to ride post by herself than to go with Lizzie, I would think. Um, so I don't know. It just seems like a very strange offer. And she's saying that, you know, oh, and if, you know, if it's cool enough, I'll even take you both. But it's like in a carriage designed for four people, I guess, two on each side. And then they're going to cry, try to cram extra people in. Um, and she's of course going to have Lizzie and Mariah like cram in with probably Mrs. Jenkinson, um, which is Mr. Berg's her daughter's companion. So they would have to squeeze in inside the carriage. I don't know. It just, it seems like a very rude and odd offer from, in my opinion, to be saying that I would take one of you. And if it's cold enough, maybe both you guys can squeeze in. Um, but like the idea that she's offering to take one of them to London when they both need to get to London makes absolutely no sense to me. And Lizzie's just replies with, you are all kindness, madam, which I also think is sarcastic, sarcastic. And she says, but I believe we must abide by our original plan. Lady Catherine seemed resigned. So she said it. She was interested in having them saying, but she's also not really going to fight it. So that's good enough. Then she goes off on this thing about having a servant go with them. You know, that two young women traveling by post by themselves is highly improper. They must have a male servant with them. Which, I, th I mean, is just stating the obvious of the time. I think I think in, like, the stat status standard of the time, she is correct. They do need a male servant to go with them for propriety's sake. But what's interesting about this is then she talks about Georgiana going to Ramsgate. Which we now know from the letter from Mr. Darcy, that is the time where she almost eloped with George Wickham. But obviously, Lady Catherine does not know that story because she's bringing up the concept of Georgiana going to Ramsgate last summer and how she made it a point of having two male servants go with her. Because, you know, she's so important. She couldn't have traveled with anything less. Which I think is supposed to bring our mind back to Georgiana and to Darcy and to his letter and what we've learned, you know, try to sort of connect the dots. <gasps> That was that trip that we've, you know, bring your mind back to it. So that's one reason to bring it up. But I think you could also kind of look at it as a way to sort of, I don't know, show the sort of silliness of some of these rules because Georgiana should have been, you know, perfectly safe because she had two manservants with her on her travels. But when she got there, she wasn't safe because they didn't protect her from this man trying to essentially seduce her um, because he was a family friend and allowed into the house. So even though 
she's theoretically safe, quote unquote, from all these things. She's not as safe as she could be. Right. I don't know. I just, I think there's something there. I'm not sure how, how deep I'm going, but I do think there's something along the lines for you to think about, about even though Georgiana had all the male servants that she's supposed to have traveling with her and theoretically should have been as safe as can be, she still wasn't safe enough. I don't know. Something to ponder. Um, but it, and it also then ends with, I am glad it occurred to me to mention it, for it would really be discreditable to you, meeting Mrs. Collins or Charlotte, to let them go alone. So it's almost chiding Charlotte for not having thought of this on her own, which is very rude because right away, Elizabeth is able to jump in and just say basically that we've already figured this out. Like, duh, we need a manservant to come with us. And my uncle is to send a servant for us. So nobody disagrees with Lady Catherine, but she's like getting on her high horse like, oh, it's such a good thing that I remember to remind you because obviously you idiots wouldn't have thought of this. When there are thing, when real the reality of the situation is somebody already did think of it. We've already got it all figured out. Like yeah, duh, we need a manservant to come with us on the post. Everybody knows that. You know, of course we did it. You know, it's one of those things where people are reminding you to like. I don't know little things that you already knew. Like oh, you're going on a trip to Hawaii. Make sure you bring sunscreen. I don't know. Like duh, we need sunscreen when we're going to the beach. Like that's just an obvious thing that you need and know you need. I don't know. That's how I'm reading it anyway. And so, of course, now that we've got that figured out, Lady Catherine seems slightly impressed that his that her uncle has a manservant. Um, and the little annotation here I have that just says that a manservant is a sort of sign of a little bit of wealth because it's you pay men more than you pay women, obviously. So male servants are more expensive than female servants. And therefore are a little bit of a status symbol that you're rich enough to afford a manservant. Anyway, then she goes on and talks about where they're going to change horses and how if you like tell them that you're fr that, you know, me and they'll be nice to you or whatever. Um, and then there's a nice funny line that says Lady Catherine had many other questions to ask respecting their journey. And as she did not answer all of them herself, not answer them all herself, attention was necessary. Which I thought was funny. So Elizabeth actually has to pay attention to what Lady Catherine is saying because Lady Catherine doesn't answer all of her own questions, but she does seem to answer most of them herself and just go on in her monologue. But Elizabeth thinks that it's lucky for her that she actually has to pay attention because otherwise she might have gotten so occupied in her own mind she forgot where she was um, and that she has to save her reflections to solitary hours because she's still reflecting on what, of course, the letter. Um, and it says that every day she goes out on a solitary walk in which she might indulge in all the delight of unpleasant recollections, which is another perfect little Jane Austen line that she always has. The delight of unpleasant recollections. Fabulous. But it's so true when you're upset about something and you just can't stop thinking about it and it's just circling in your mind and you can't get over it. That is the state that Lizzie is in, which we read about all last chapter and apparently she is still there. Um, saying basically she's practically memorized Mr. Darcy's letter and she's studied every sentence and her feelings towards the writer were at times widely different. So her emotions towards Darcy are up and down and all over the place, 
which also makes sense with whether like she believes everything he says she doesn't she hates him for the jane situation she forgives him for their and doesn't care anymore about the wickham thing it's all up and down and all over the place and very topsy-turvy um so but it's not to the point where she actually likes him and is sad that she has said no to his proposal jane austen makes that very clear um so she is angry at herself for how she how basically mad she was at him and yelling at him about the wickham situation um she was still full of indignation for the style of his address and how sort of rude he was about it um his disappointing disappointed feelings now became the object of compassion because she doesn't feel quite as much like loathing towards him she says his attachment excited gratitude his general character respect but she could not approve him nor could she for a moment repent her refusal or feel the slightest inclination ever to see him again so at this point she's just i think at this place of just such embarrassment for what she said about wickham specifically being so wrong about wickham that she just doesn't want to see either of those men ever again and she's just over it completely um and she is upset about her own behavior um i think mostly about again you, how angry she got about him about the situation and about the wickham thing but more she was very unhappy about the defects of her family and how this she says they are hopeless of remedy her father contented with laughing at them would never exert himself to restrain restrain the wild giddiness of her youngest daughter of his youngest daughters and her mother with manners so far from right herself was entirely insensible of of the evil says elizabeth and jane had frequently united in an endeavor to check the imprudence of catherine and lydia but while they were supported by their mother's indulgence what chance could there be of improvement catherine weak-spirited irritable and completely under lydia's guidance had been always affronted by their advice and lydia self-willed and careless would scarcely give them a hearing they were ignorant idle and vain which oh my god such a burn i kind of want that on a teacher a t-shirt though ignorant idle and vain <laughs> I don't know. There's something fabulous about it, even though it's awful. So she's basically sort of agreeing with Darcy at this point about how awful her own family is and feeling embarrassed by them, too. Especially the youngest sisters, so Kitty and Lydia, saying that while there was an officer in Meryton, they would flirt with him. And while Meryton was in the, within a walk of Longbourn, they would be going there forever. So she is at this point sort of fallen in line with Darcy and agrees with him that her sisters are awful and that they are completely inappropriate in their behavior and there's nothing that she can do to fix it. And I mean, she's not wrong. He's not wrong. They are embarrassing. Now, from a more modern lens, they are freaking young teenage girls. They're like, I think Lydia's 15 and Kitty's probably 17 or 18 probably 17 i think they're young annoying teenage girls let's be honest i think most teenagers of that age are annoying i um yeah wouldn't want to go back to high school and have to deal with them 
on a regular basis. Teenagers are annoying, especially in a group, especially when they feed off each other. And that's how I kind of see Kitty and Lydia. They're just really annoying teenagers. But that is completely unacceptable in this time period. There's no sort of grace for that. The way I feel like, at least in modern days, more nor- most people have a little bit of like, yeah, ignore them. They're annoying teenagers. <laughs> There's none of that chill. Um, they're just making themselves social pariahs in certain ways because they're just their behavior is just so bad. Which we will see in the future when Lydia quite literally almost ruins her entire family from her wild and unprincipled behavior or whatnot. Now, there's plenty to be said about the society expectations and how you can ruin your whole family because you're not, I don't know, because you have sex out of wedlock. I mean, obviously, that's ridiculous. That's a stupid standard for society to have. But we are in the mind view of that is the standard this society has. And Lydia and his kitty a little bit, Lydia Moore is very much not willing to sort of succumb to these societal pressures and expectations. And there's something kind of radical about that and not necessarily in a good way. And, but not necessarily in a horrible way. Like, I think there is something to be said for the sort of liberation almost of Mrs. Bennett and her two youngest daughters. That is very at odds with society of the time that they are able to live the way they live. And people sort of accept it from within their own society, within their own little neighborhood. Nobody really seems to be like, I don't know, being all that uptight about it. Which is really kind of interesting when you think about it. Because it is so just socially not acceptable. But they're okay. I don't know, but Lizzie is now sort of on Mr. Darcy's side of agreeing that her family is awful. Which honestly she had been thinking before too. You know, when she talks about being so embarrassed by them at the ball and everything, at the Netherfield ball, she is just watching her family embarrass themselves and thinking about it the whole time. And now that Darcy's pointed that out, I think she's like, yeah, I agree with you. My family's pretty awful. Um, which is kind of sad, but I guess kind of true at the same time at this moment. Um, then she goes on to Jane, the Jane situation of it all. And how now that she's read through all of this, she does think that Bingley was, you know, not not at fault. And so it says that restored Bingley to all her former good opinion. And because of that, now she is again seeing that that Jane has really lost something in losing Bingley. And I think it's interesting that now by the end, instead of saying that she has lost Bingley because of Darcy she's saying that Jane had been deprived by the folly and indecorum of her own family so she is completely blaming her family and their lack of social manners and social graces for what happened to Jane and Bingley and really sort of not blaming Darcy at all anymore which is an interesting thing because I think even in the last chapter she was seeing that Darcy wasn't quite as I don't know, awful as she had originally thought, but she wasn't, I don't think, ready to completely let him off the hook. And here she kind of is, at least in her own mind here. She is not saying that Darcy is the problem. She's saying that the indecorum of her own family is the problem, which is interesting. 
Um, and then, of course, and then she thinks about the Wickham and the Wickham's character and how wrong she was about Wickham. And it says that it may easily it may be easily believed that the happy spirits, which had seldom to have been depressed before, were now so much affected as to make it almost impossible for her to appear tolerably cheerful. So Elizabeth is actually getting into a little bit of a depressive state here. She's very sad. And that's where her emotional moment is. Again, we're kind of still perseverating on the letter and on the situation. Nothing else much is happening in this chapter. Because we only have two cha two paragraphs left at this point. Where we're going to again talk about Rosings. So they go back to going to Rosings as much as they did before. Darcy and Colonel Fitzwilliam showed up. Because now, you know, they started going less while they were there because Lady Catherine was too busy with her nephews to want to see her sort of second tier friends. But now that she doesn't have any family around, she's inviting them again. Um, and Lady Catherine again inquired minutely into the particulars of their journey, gave them directions as to the best methods of packing, and was so urgent on the necessity of placing gowns in the only right way that Mariah thought herself obliged on her return to undo all the work of the morning and pack her trunk afresh. Which is just a comical thing that, like, Lady Catherine was, like, giving them minute details of how to freaking pack their trunks. And Mariah was so overwhelmed with information that she had to start over and repack her whole thing. So ridiculous. And this is a great little scene that's in the, uh, 19, the 1995 Colin Firth version where Lizzie says you may pack your trunks however you like lady catherine will never know um and then the last paragraph of this chapter is when they parted lady catherine with great condescension wished them a good journey and invited them to come to huntsford again next year and mr berg exerted herself so far as to curtsy and hold out her hand to both so that's it they have taken their leave of lady catherine and mr berg and it seems like Lady Catherine and Mr. Berg like them well enough. It's interesting. Lady Catherine again puts gives uh, an invitation for them to come to Huntford, Huntsford again. And obviously stay with Charlotte. So she's again giving out invitations to stay at somebody else's house. Which is again a little ridiculous. But you know Lady Catherine feels very much entitled to do so. In fact entitled is the best word I think I can come up with for the entire character of Lady Catherine. She is... The most entitled character you could ever hope to meet. And that is the end of that chapter. They are finally leaving Huntsford. So next chapter we are going to finally get out of Huntsford and go to London, I believe. To, um... Or at least get close to there. So I think actually the next chapter might actually all be about them leaving and saying goodbye to Mr. Collins and everything. I'm not sure. But we are getting close to them. We're finally leaving Kent, which we've, it feels like we've been here a while. Some very important things happen in Kent. Obviously, it's a very uh, eventful time in some ways, but it's also a kind of sitting around time. Somehow it has both. Because there's a lot of time in this section of the novel where we're just kind of hanging out, talking to Lady Catherine, getting some good dialogue, but not really much else is happening, which is happening in this chapter where really Lizzie just thought about the letter some more and like went to tea a few times. Not much is really going on here, but while she was in Kent, we got the big, I don't know, switch in the novel where we finally 
have the Darcy proposal and letter, which is a huge turning point. So that is a very important thing that happens in this section of the novel. But that's really the important thing that happens here is the proposal and the letter. And obviously we're still like kind of dealing with the fallout from the letter, but otherwise a rather uneventful chapter. But we will be back next time with the next chapter, chapter 15, where we will finally try to pack up and get away from Mr. Collins because Mr. Collins is annoying. And we'll get back to London to get Jane and then we'll get back to uh, Longbourn and Mr. Bennett and Mrs. Bennett and the whole family dynamic, which... Even though, you know, Kitty and Lydia are super annoying, it'll be nice to get get the gang back together and get home, back on home turf and see the whole family again. So that's where we're moving towards. See you next time with Chapter 15. Bye!